When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello friends, it's Sam Matterface here with the ultimate preview show to the Premier League. The game day podcast from TalkSport, where we look in detail at every single Premier League match. Alongside me, the TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook. Hello. Hello. And the former Benfica, Chelsea Charlton, left back, West Ham left back. Um, Good-looking 50-year-old dad modelling for next. It's Scott Minto. 51 now, Sam. Oh, Hello. Yes. Uh, on the way, our first Monday night game night that starts at a new 60 time on the new network. Christian Eriksen phones home. Chelsea, welcome back a familiar face. And who's your favourite, Gerard or Lampard? Remember, you can't get them both in. From TalkSport, this is the Game Day Podcast. Hello, week two. Chelsea agree a deal with Barcelona for De Jong. If the transfer window has taught us anything, this means that it's even more certain than ever that he signs a new contract with Barcelona. Uh, what's the latest, Crookster? Oh, do we have to start with De Jong, honestly? Um, <laughs> he really wants to come to Man United, otherwise they wouldn't have chased him for three months. Go on, I would sorry. Love it. I would love it if Chelsea just come in at the last minute. <laughs> sorry, Crook, you were saying, yeah. Well, as you've just revealed, um, I think Chelsea, I'm not sure they've agreed a fee yet. I think they're confident of doing so. I'm expecting uh, developments over the next 24, 48 hours. I think ultimately the decision uh, will still come down to Frankie de Jong. And there's still this issue with Barcelona over the deferred £17 million wages. So, listen, there's still three weeks of the window to go. I'm not sure this saga is at an end yet. Since it's... That's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, you're struggling a little bit there, Crook, to backtrack. Uh, Scott, what should, what should we do in this scenario? Is there anyone we can call to get like a little bit more information on it? Sam, your friend and mine, Graham Hunter. Oh, we could he's, call um, Graham. He's, crook, he's Crookie's mate as well, isn't he? <laughs> Scott, I've got to be honest with you, right? I've got to be honest with you. I do feel a little bit sorry for Frankie de Jong. I mean, there are reports of legal action, um, trying to force him to accept a contract that he signed in 2019. They owe him money, deferred in COVID times. I mean, look, come on, we've all been through bad, bad breakups in our time, right? Sometimes you just have to accept it's over. They don't love you no more. It's over. They, they really don't want you. I know Chabby might be saying the right things in public, but I mean, come on. It's just, it's finished. Sometimes you just have to accept that they don't love you no more. It's hard though, Scott, to take, isn't it? Sam, I'm expecting you to kind of like put your arms around yourself and have a little smooch with yourself. No, it's crook we need to put our arms around. Yeah. No, look, I mean, mean, you're right to mention, Javi, because, you know, the club's saying one thing, but the manager's saying another. I mean, they've got to just say the same thing. It's as simple as that, because... You know, if if Javi's turning around and saying to to Frankie de Young, look, I'd like you to stay, then then why wouldn't he stay? I mean, the, the, the way to get him to go is basically the club saying we want you to go. The managers say, I'm not going to play you. You're going to train with the kids or whatever. Yes, we'll pay you, you know, what you're owed. But look, I mean, it, it's, going, it's going from what, 450 grand a week to probably 450 grand a week. Um I wouldn't necessarily say I feel sorry for him, but I, I do have sympathy because as he recently got engaged, he's, he's just bought a new house there. It's his dream club. Um, but the fact that Barcelona need to sell him to register their signings, I, I only see one way this is that he, he surely got to go. Um, too much has happened. So yeah, he's it, it, got to go. And a choice between Manchester United and Chelsea, with all due respect, Crookie, 
There's only one choice. <laughs> okay. All right. We won't get into that just now because Crook, I know, is at boiling point, not because it's 35 degrees down on the south coast where he is. Uh, one thing we can all agree, though, is that we love Monday Night Football, and it's coming to a radio near you for free from 6pm, British summertime, this Monday, because it's the start of Game Night. You are listening to Talk Sport, and we are at Anfield. Liverpool have equalised. It's Mohamed Salah on opening day. Then we wanted to fly back, but then you, you don't find it easy anymore. There's no, the, the pitch was dry, stuff like this. You can't drop many points and finish top of this table. Liverpool look, were, were second best for, for a lot of that game. Nunes comes on and changes the game. You start with your strongest 11. You start with it. It's a second for Arsenal. It's an own goal from Mark Gerhey. Experiences will manage those kind of difficult periods that you're going through the games. And that is something that we have to look at closely. One thing you can say about Patrick, you can see the D- his DNA in every one of his players. They play like him, his personality. Tough, difficult to beat, with flair. Premier League season 31, with even more than ever on Talk Sport. Yes, Monday Night Football is on TalkSport from this Monday. We start at six with Adrian Durham, Danny Murphy and me live from Anfield. Liverpool against Crystal Palace, only on TalkSport. And uh, Scott, Liverpool made a disappointing start to the season and I think we all expect that they will get firing at home to Palace, but Patrick Vieira's team shouldn't be underestimated. No, that's right. I mean, Crooker and I were together on my birthday um, at Bournemouth while we before the game kicked off. We are watching Fulham against Liverpool and yeah just really disappointing how, how Liverpool started the first game of a season you kind of think not everybody's fit but after what they did the previous week mm. against Manchester City you just didn't see that coming I, I don't think you know Klopp was making you know sort of um, what, what's the word sort of sob stories about the, the pitch being the way it was and, and and that kind of thing it was just saying how it you know the reasons why it was a bit more difficult to play but the bottom line are you is, sure about that Scott it was a little bit sort of well, you know that they decided to not water the pitch. It's difficult for us. There's too many games, so we organised another game. <laughs> it was a little bit like that, and he's got a bit of stick I, from the I, papers as a result of it, hasn't he? Uh, listen, the papers will, will pick up on that. I, I think he's 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 gone so far on the games when the season hadn't even started that, that people will jump on every single word, and I, I do get that. But the bottom line is, Liverpool were poor. I don't care how good Fulham were. Liverpool should be beating Fulham. Um, if they're going to be winning the title. But look, look, let's look back to last season and Manchester City lost the first game of the season. So it's not as if, you know, that's it already. There's still plenty of time to turn it around. But you just would expect them in this particular game now, after how poor they were in the first game, to say, listen, we're going to be at it. First game at Anfield in front of the crowd. I I think Palace are decent. I really do. And, you know, after being completely outplayed in the first 20 minutes, against Arsenal, I thought they came back in, had two really good chances to score at 1-0. And at 1-1 against a team like Arsenal, you just don't know which way it would have gone. But I only see one winner here, I'm afraid. OK, Darwin Nunes uh, came off the bench. He was pretty impressive. He made an impact. He should start, shouldn't he? But that midfield, injuries to Cater, Thiago, Jones, Chamberlain, they'll have to be a little bit sharper than they were on Saturday, Crook. Yeah, I'm still slightly surprised that Liverpool don't appear to be in the market from a new midfielder between now and the deadline closing because I do think it's the weakest part of their team if you compare their options uh, to Manchester City even without the injuries. I think it's uh, it's a vulnerable area. You're right about Nunez. He was a handful when he came off the bench. You would expect him to start now, make his full home debut ahead of uh, Roberto Firmino. I think Liverpool will have too much for Crystal Palace. I actually think, and I said it on the podcast on Sunday, uh, the Crystal Palace might be one of those sides looking over their shoulder because I just don't think they've done enough in the window to complement their squad from last season. Mm, interesting. Should Trent Alexander-Arnold be concerned about the range of passing that Joachim Anderson possesses, Scott? Well, i tell you what, how good was he with those 50-yard pings? Wow. He was like Ronald Koeman, wasn't he? Um, against Arsenal. I, I disagree with, with Crookie on, on Palace. I, I, I know what he's saying and they've obviously had a fractured pre-season as well, but I saw enough there. There's enough hard work and I think the defence are, are very good. Three out of the back four, I think are very good. I yep. really do. Um, I think they've got a hard-working midfield. I think they've got, you know, skill in Elise and Eze as well. They probably need a bit of a striker, but but Anderson, yeah, I mean, listen, th- this could arguably be Trent's most difficult game of the season because 
we know that he's great going forward. He's like Kevin De Bruyne going forward. I actually think he's improved a lot defensively. I really do. But you know, with those pings in behind, I can tell you they're a they're a, they're a fullback's nightmare. And you have got Will Sahar sort of going at you one on one as well. Um, he's going to be he's going to need to be absolutely on his game here. And it might be a defensive one rather than an attacking one. Or alternatively, what you do as a fullback is just try and take your winger forward as much as possible. And um, you know. <sighs> I think that's what he'll try and do. But when Anderson gets on the ball, those 50-yard pings, I have to say, was very, very impressive on, is, on Friday. Is it nonsense to suggest that he is not a very good defender and that he is a great footballer? We should appreciate his talents for going forward. A lot of people were quick to get on his back after last weekend, Crook being one of them, because he didn't put enough pressure on Mitrovic. I mean, I mean, look, that's like me marking Crook, isn't it? I mean, he's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? I can do my best, but at the end of the day, he should be able... I mean... Actually, he couldn't, he couldn't out, outpower me because he's got the upper body strength of a new. But, um, you know, <laughs> essentially, when you look at us, you think there's no chance of him being able to do that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd love to see that reenacted one time uh, with, with the two of you at the far post. I, I'll whip the ball in and then yeah. I want to see who can actually uh, win that header. He's got I'm no sure chance. He you... can't head the ball. It gets a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> he's six foot four, jumping five foot eight, is he? Five foot two. <laughs> Five foot two. No, but I mean, look, it, you, you're right, Sam. It's, if that ball's hung up at the far post, it's a very difficult thing to do. But the bottom line, what he should have done is he should have got a lot closer to him earlier. He should have jumped into him almost backwards without obviously making it an obvious foul. And just, he wasn't, he was never going to win the header. I, the fullback at the far post for me with big centre forwards, I would always, always be thinking, look, I'm not going to win this, but what I'm going to make sure I do is that the centre forward doesn't get a clean header. And that's what he did do. So I do think it was poor defending. I do think it's become a bit of a cliche and I do think he's improved a lot in his defending, but it's probably why I would still in the real big games go for Reese James over Trent in the you know in the latter stages of a World Cup because Rhys James is almost as good going forwards but he's a fair bit better defensively. Okay, uh, Liverpool scored at least twice in 16 of their 19 home league games last season. Crystal Palace only kept three away clean sheets all of last campaign. They put up a fight against Arsenal, but yeah, the Reds are more potent for me. I think they'll go on and win, although I don't think it'll be an easy night. Uh, Saturday lunchtime, live on TalkSport, 12.30. Aston Villa against Everton, live on TalkSport. Gerard or Lampard, the conundrum of many an England manager. Now they meet at Villa Park, both with quandaries of their own to solve. Uh, on the evidence of the first weekend, Everton looked to have adapted to having no central defenders or a forward available. Um, whereas reports in Darren Lewis's paper this week, Crook, suggest Villa stars are not adapting to the forthright former England captain and his demands. Yeah, I actually wrote a piece about this um, in one of the papers on Monday um, along the lines that Stephen Gerrard has only been in charge of Villa for nine months, but the cracks are already starting to appear. I thought his comments about Tyrone Mings, unprompted really, uh, after that defeat at Bournemouth, were unnecessary. Um, it, it highlights what is clearly an issue between him and his former captain. And it seems that he's not the only player uh, Tyra Mings that is uh, not necessarily seeing eye to eye with Steven Gerrard. We know he's quite a combustible character as a captain and has taken that into his management. I think that's fine when things are going well as they did at Rangers, but the Premier League is a completely different beast. And I do fear for Gerrard and I fear for Aston Villa because they were so poor um, last weekend. They looked disjointed. They didn't look like a, a team unit. They were carrying players um, when they couldn't afford to. So I think this is a great opportunity for Everton who... What they lacked in quality, I think they made up for in fights on that opening weekend against Chelsea. They've got Connor Cody now in the dressing room. He'll be a positive influence on and off the pitch. They've got Unana, what's his name, uh, to come into midfield oh, as well. do everybody's crap joke. I mean, that was <laughs> and just still dreadful. Bridgie did that on Sky Sports News, didn't he? I mean, that is a proper Bridgie joke. And they're still trying to get a deal for Idrissa Gay, who I think would be a good addition as well. So, obviously, they've still got this... Dominic Calvert-Lewin-sized hole up front, so I don't think goals will be in plentiful supply, but I think, I think Everton could get a positive result. Um, I think this is the oldest fixture still being played, uh, with the first fixture taking place between the two on September the 22nd, 1888. It's a little bit of a shame, actually, that Darren Lewis isn't here today, because we could have asked him whether that was a three o'clock kickoff or it was moved <laughs> for a gramophone recording. Um, Scott, Villa have uh, won just two of their last 12 Premier League games. That's not great, is it? No, I, I I normally don't like going back to the previous season uh, because so much has changed. Um, in well, evidently, of, so much hasn't. Well, yeah, and and 
that is a bit of a that is the problem here, really, because you know I, I sat with Crookie and, and and we watched the the game at Bournemouth, and you know I still feel you know and I, I feel. Well, no, I don't think it's not unfortunate to say. I still feel Bournemouth will finish bottom, let alone go down. You know, so this is a game, really. I don't care who you're playing. Um, Villa, Villa should be, should have been winning, and they should have looked much more dominant. I mean, uh, yeah, they were so poor. Coutinho was poor. Bailey was poor. Brendier was poor when he came on. Ings, I thought, started well and then fell away. Uh, Ollie Watkins came on was poor. John McGinn was was trying to make things happen, but it, it just wasn't. And look, I don't have a problem with if if Steven Gerrard thinks that Tyrone Mings is not good enough to get into the side, then how can he be captain? But I do think it was a comment where he said, once he looks me in the eye, then we can, you know, move on kind of thing. I, that wasn't needed. And that's only going to needle Tyrone Mings. And, and sometimes, you know, if he's an influential player in there and it, other players might not be happy on top of that. So absolutely, I... I I never judge a team, good or bad, on the first game of the season. But I tell you what, I'm really looking forward to watching this game and see how Villa responds. Um, I, I don't like the sort of playing for the manager. You play for yourself first and foremost. But Stevie G clearly has a way of managing. I think the modern day player is too cosseted and has got to deal with it. But listen, if you've got six or seven players who are not having his style, then that's going to spread. It's interesting, isn't it? Because last year we all would have sit here and we looked at Aston Villa's performances and we were like, Tyrone Mings has made a mistake. That's not the first time that's happened. And now he's been taken out of the team, which is probably what most people expected when they signed Diego Carlos. Everyone's like, oh God, maybe they're missing Tyrone Mings after like one game. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think Steven Gerrard's got quite a lot of information about his players. He's probably watched them more than we have. He's made the decision for a reason. Crook has been an advocate of getting rid of Tyrone Mings for ages. I think the way that Steven's done it has raised a few eyebrows. Mm. It being so public, it's a big thing to take the captaincy away from from someone. But also to say that thing straight after the game about you know he's got to look me in the eye. That's a that's that, that sort of provocative, really. I just wonder whether yeah. or not he's trying to get him out of the club before the uh, start of uh, well before the end of the transfer window. Uh, Connor Cody's a great signing though, isn't he? For Everton, brilliant. I mean, he's so excited about it as well. He was on Talksport Breakfast this week. Um, we mentioned it on the pod on Sunday. I know that I had quite a few conversations with him prior to pressing the button on it. He lives close. He'll get the club. His son's there. Um, it, it's He's perfect as well for a back three. Yeah, and it, it, I think it, it, it's as much about his personality and his character um, as his footballing ability. I think the reaction from the wider footballing world has been really interesting. I've never known a fairly low-key transfer prompt so much attention, actually, from fans away from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Obviously, there's Wolves fans who are disappointed because he's been part of the furniture for the last seven years. But almost to a man, fans of other clubs can't quite understand why Wolves have allowed him to fall out of favour and allowed him to leave the club. So we'll talk about Wolves later, no doubt. But I think it's a positive for Everton. I think it could well be a negative for Wolves. Yeah, I think Wolves have had a, a difficult start to the season already. I mean, they've lost away at Leeds United. I mean, with all due respect... That's the kind of fixture that if you want to be up and around the the midway point of the league, you've got to you've got to win, or you've got you can't afford to lose. That's for sure. Uh, so that Aston Villa Everton game is twelve thirty on Saturday, part of game day. Two back to back live games. Uh, we'll get to uh, the other match in just a second, but Sunday four thirty, Chelsea against Tottenham Hotspur, part of the Sunday session on Talksport. Let's be honest about it, Chelsea. They usually love Tottenham coming over for tea. Spurs have beat them once in the league at Stamford Bridge since 1990. That's one league win at Stamford Bridge in 32 years. But if anyone's going to overturn that, it's going to be Antonio Conte, isn't it? Um, This is a litmus test for Thomas Tuchel and his opposite number, whose team looked humming on day one. Yeah, it's a fascinating game, really, um, because Tottenham did get a lot of plaudits for their demolition of Southampton, but I think we'll find out this weekend how much that was down to their quality and how much it was down to the fact Southampton stunk the place out. Uh, Chelsea on the flip side, not convincing at all for me uh, against Everton, like a team uh, still trying to gel with one another. This is an opportunity for Spurs to lay down a market, given that record that you've just mentioned, uh, Stamford Bridge. I think this is an opportunity to show they are 
serious contenders um, this season. I think it's going to be brilliant. If Chelsea get a draw, I'll be delighted. Um, last year, Conte uh, compared Spurs to Chelsea unfavourably, explaining the gap was too big. Three games in in, in uh, three weeks, I think it was, and they, they, they lost all three and they didn't score against Chelsea. And you get the feeling that he has a bit of a score to settle, which is always worrying. Absolutely. Um, you'll remember back in the day, Sam, and I'll remember back in the day in the 90s where we, we, we not just the 90s, obviously the noughties. And, but I remember playing in these fixtures. I'm, I was never a superstitious player, um, but I did go into the games against Spurs thinking we cannot lose this. And, and we didn't. And at home, generally we won. And at the lane, generally we we kind of drew. Well, no, 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 no. It was three points lane for a while. Three point lane. I know. Maybe that was a little bit after. I remember drawing there one one, and um, you know that that wasn't a bad result to be fair. But no, I, you and I have got a bet, haven't we? We we, we, we bet have. at the start of the summer. Um, I can't believe you did it, but you said actually you put your your head over your heart that Spurs finished third, Chelsea finished fourth. I'm now slightly concerned with that bet, especially considering I know how you live your lifestyle. The bet is meal. Um, so I'm worried where we're going to eat. Oh, but don't no, worry. Not, You're going to be out of pocket, son. Don't worry. Absolutely. But honestly, I, I, you, you have to begrudgingly from a Chelsea point of view, doth your cap to Daniel Levy, to Antonio Conte, to the way they've done everything since he's come in, you know, without him, they wouldn't have finished fourth. They got signings in early. Uh, they look like they've got strength in depth. They've always had an 11 that could trouble anyone, as we saw first game of the season last season. But now you just do believe that actually, they're not going to go deep, deep into the Champions League, but I would imagine they would go into the knockout stages. And at this moment in time, and we'll have to wait and see what happens the next couple of weeks of the transfer window, the top two are the top two. And when Cricky said contenders, I'm not sure what he was talking about contenders for, but if you're going to have another team that's pretty much guaranteed to finish top four, I'd go for Spurs over yeah. Chelsea right now. Um, they're not contenders for the, for the league. I don't think. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there is Liverpool, there is Manchester City, there is the Grand Canyon, and then there is Tottenham, <laughs> Chelsea, Arsenal, and then there is the Grand Canyon times two, then Manchester United. Um, uh, look, I think Chelsea's football, dull, dreary, efficient maybe it's just a too cool way I mean since they ripped apart Norwich 7-0 they have scored more than two goals once in 14 home league games and that was against Leeds and of course they needed penalties because they, they they love a penalty um, Spurs have scored the most Premier League goals in 2022 so far with 51 while only Liverpool and Manchester City have taken more points uh, than Tottenham in the calendar year. So, I mean, this is a massive, massive test. And Chelsea are not, even if they do somehow manage to sign Frankie de Jong, even though I've got a feeling that he'll end up staying at Barcelona, uh, and they do sign Aubameyang, I'm not entirely sure it's a great idea, but anyway, let's just see what happens. Um, then it's not going to happen this weekend, is it? It's not going to happen in time for the, the visit of Tottenham. So, it's still going to be Kai Havertz up front. Timo Werner's gone back to Leipzig now. So you, you you sort of know that it's going to be Jorginho. Any chance of a penalty, fella? <laughs> uh, he's, he's finishing the penalties now, isn't he? Um, after missing missing a few sort of high-profile ones. No, you're right. I mean, it was interesting. He went not for, for Chelsea, Sterling. Scott. Not for Chelsea. Not for Chelsea. Interesting, he kind of went for Sterling as that false nine rather than Kai Havertz. And, and it was a very fluid sort of front three. Um, at Goodison. Yes, it was. You, you look at Tuchel and I, I think he's one of the top managers in the world. I really do. Um, but actually, who has he improved attacking wise since he's been at the club? I'm not 100% sure. He makes the team very solid in the year they went into uh, the top four and won the Champions League. Absolutely superb job he did. They were very compact and they were winning games by kind of 1-0 really more than anything else. Yeah. So I, I definitely think Chelsea need a striker. Um, I'm not even sure Chelsea need a Franco de Jong, but if you can get him, then oh, great. They do need someone in midfield that's not like Jorginho. They do. They need somebody else. I there. think you get a Kovacic who's who's fit and firing, and, and he brings that kind of energy. Yeah, he does, but it. you've got to have someone who can pass the ball at the base of the midfield, but at speed, whereas Sam, Jorginho wants four days. He yeah. wants to get the ball, take a touch, look up, wait about an hour, and then pass the ball. No, it's got to be quick, sharp, forward. This is the Premier League. Listen, I, I said to you in the studio um, uh, during the summer, Chelsea need to make a statement. And if they have to overpay on a lot of people, then they have to do that. This is the, the, like the beginning of Abramovich era. Yeah. 
everyone's looking, not just Chelsea fans, but football fans are seeing which way is this only going to go. And to be fair to Todd Bowley, you know, it, it hasn't gone exactly how he's wanted to, but it's not for the want of trying. Now, centre, another centre-half is needed, a striker is needed, and then a midfielder is needed. But if you can get a Frank of the Young, then absolutely, he'd be a great signing. But he's not absolutely where Chelsea needs to go right now. Striker and centre-half first. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 5.30 on Saturday during the game day phone-in with Gabby Agbonlahor and Jamie O'Hara. Uh, Brentford against uh, Manchester United. I fancy Brentford to get something from their first home game of the season. Uh, but then again, they are only facing Manchester United. Uh, last season, 66.7% of Brentford's goals came in the second half of matches. This year, 100%. Small sample size, I know. But uh, the advice to United would be to try and get a good start. Any chance of that, Crook? Well, not based on what we saw last weekend because it was a dreadful start, wasn't it? It took all of 15 seconds for the hapless I think it was 12, Diogo Dallo to give away a, a chance. That actually, Brighton could have scored. It was a lethargic performance from Manchester United. Uh, it was a, a, a frightened performance, I thought, uh, certainly once they fell behind. I do wonder um, if that it might be different away from home without the, the, the Old Trafford crowd, the weight of expectation, the... Uh, moans and groans coming from the home supporters oh, because United over. fans always back their team give on the road. Manchester uh, United this, players this... can't deal with playing at Old Trafford because it's too intimidating. Well, that's oh, what it looked like over. to me at times give during that over. game last weekend. Uh, that's how I saw it. Well, that's so, pathetic uh, if that's the case. I agree. Uh, spineless. Um, but, but I think that's a good word uh, to describe some of these United players. I think they'll be better um, this weekend, but this is a, a tricky encounter uh, Brentford are in your face. They've got quality at the top end of the pitch on Ivan Tony. And actually, on the subject of Ivan Tony, uh, I was uh, with the Peterborough director of football, Barry Fry, on uh, Wednesday night. We interviewed him live on Talk Sports just, 2, and he said, You're a United that, fan. Though. We're suffering, aren't we? And I said, Yes. And he said, They should sign Ivan Tony. You know, he'd be perfect for United as that number nine. And I don't necessarily disagree. It's a huge step up in terms of the stature of the club. But I think he would improve our forward line. Um, I think Manchester United supporters, by the way, have been absolutely terrific over the last pretty much nine years when it's been pretty crap to be uh, at Old Trafford. And they always get behind their team. So if the players are using that as an excuse that the fans are getting on their back, then I'm sorry, it doesn't cut the mustard with me. Actually, I thought they were outthought by Brighton. That's what the real problem was. Graham Potter... He knew Ten Hag had been going around with a megaphone telling everybody, oh, we're going to press high. So Graham Potter went, oh, lads, um, any chance, when you get the ball, instead of like inviting <laughs> the press, just kick it long into the channel. Danny Welbecker have a go at that little, uh, little tiny centre-half and then we'll go from there. So then they can't press us because the ball's at the other end of the pitch. <laughs> Pretty easy, really. Will Thomas Frank get the better of Ten Hag as well? 
Sam, I, 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 I was really, when I got the text um, from Lucy, the producer, saying, you know, do you want to come on Thursday? Um, I mean, obviously, I always listen to the podcast anyway, but I, even more so, I thought I'm going to. Now, what I do on podcasts is I have it on the pace of like one and a half. So an hour listen is like 40 minutes. Okay. I listened to Crookie and I texted him this last night. I listened to Crookie and I had to slow it down to the normal pace. And I've never done that before. Because it went high pitched. The words he was using, plus the pace it was at, I'm like, I've got to listen to what he's actually saying here how, and how he's saying it. But it was very passionate. And and you're right, you know, you know, the United fans, especially with City and Liverpool being as good as they are over the last few years, it's just purgatory for them. I'm actually with um, Crookie on that you've got a lot of Manchester United players here who are not able to have the character to play for Manchester United. And, and that's not a good sign. You and I sat together at the Amex where, I mean, it must have been not just the worst performance of the season, but for oh, years. For years. It was the worst performance of, a, of the modern Manchester United post Yeah, I mean, this wasn't as bad, but I'm telling you, you know, sometimes the carryover from a previous season, you expect everyone to start again, especially with the new manager. This is a group of players that is pretty much the same as last season. And if you haven't, even if you've got a new manager, if you haven't got a, a good group of new players, you're going to find the same thing again. So I actually think they can't carry the weight of of playing at Old Trafford. And it's it's not a good sign. They need another two or three more signings to, to, to lift everybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they'll probably get two or three uh, new signings. Now they've fired up the uh, 2014 edition of uh, Football Manager and have started to scout using those statistics that are on offer. Uh, Arnautovic, the deal's off. They couldn't even do a deal for him. Uh, but have they signed Rabiot yet? Good. I mean, is that, have they done that? Have they signed Rabiot? Uh, not yet. Of course uh, they talk, haven't. Of course they talk, haven't. Talk, talk's <laughs> ongoing. They couldn't uh, sign an autograph. Get, oh, another, <laughs> another player they're looking at as well. It, it's... it's <laughs> Come scattergun, which is the phrase that you've used uh, for Chelsea uh, this summer. I was even told a couple of days ago that Ishmael Assar is back on their wanted list. He was a player they tried to sign uh, 18 months ago. And uh, Milinkovic, Savic, Lazio, again, two years ago, they tried to sign him. So clearly there's been a, a, a move now from signing players that Ten Hag has recommended to basically digging out their scouting reports oh. from 2018. Rookie, are yeah. they going right to the very end for De Jong? Are they, are they saying, are they not going to walk away Don't at all? ask him. Don't, don't. You're going to make him cry again. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on? Now listen, Crook, Crooks, I, I can tell. Crooks is one of two things. He's either really upset or he's hungover. Which one is it? He looks both. Yeah. The Young situation is, is farcical. Um, didn't answer the question. I don't think they've walked away, uh, Manchester United, but I do think, and this, this might sound extreme, I think if this deal doesn't get done, I think there's a case for John Mercer and Richard Arnold to resign. Uh, Brentford have signed Denmark winger Mikkel Damsgaard. They did that deal pretty quickly. Uh, Sampdoria, five-year deal, undisclosed fee, terrific at the Euros, scored a wonder-free kick against England, £12.7 million. Uh, he's only 22 years old. He did have a bit of an unlucky time with injuries, but he's an un undoubted talent. Uh, Kasper Hjulman, who is the uh, Denmark uh, head coach, rates him highly. And if Kasper Hjulman thinks you're a good player then you're all right by me because he is a terrific, terrific football coach and we will see a lot more of him over the next uh, few years. That is for sure. On Saturday at 3pm, we've got Brighton versus Newcastle live on TalkSport 2 and twice title winner Perry Groves is going to be on co-commentary. Uh, Pegs, what do you think of Brighton versus Newcastle? Hello, chaps. I'll be down at the Amex on Saturday with Dance watching the Brighton-Newcastle game. I love watching Brighton play because they're a bit of an enigma, really, because you never, ever know what system they're going to play. I'll look at Dance and go, they're going 3-3-3-1, 5-3-2, 5-3-1-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3-4-3-1, 3
And Eddie Howe for Newcastle has bought some what I call real solid players. You've got Pope, Trippier, Byrne, Target, uh, Wood probably be on the bench. So it's a bit of an evolution process from Newcastle's point of view. So who's going to rule the nest? Is it going to be the Seagulls or the Magpies? Oh, interesting. Uh, Brighton Newcastle live on TalkSport 2, Saturday 3 o'clock with Perry Groves. He's right about Danny Welbeck, isn't he, Scott? Danny Welbeck tore United apart almost single-handedly. His movement was just incredible. Um, you're right about sort of let's go in it long, but you still, what they did at Old Trafford, but you still need a centre-forward who's able to bully, really, the two centre-halves. And that's exactly what he did, both in a technical and a physical way as well. It, it always helps going back to your old club where you want to try and impress. But, you know, Danny Welbeck's a, a talent and he's, he's been very unlucky with injuries. So... Let's hope that this is the season where he can really show exactly what he can do because I think for the last three or four seasons, we've not seen the real Danny Welbeck. Uh, Arsenal against Leicester is 3pm on Saturday. Do you remember those days when Arsenal and Leicester were top four contenders? Well, you can only have a tilt at the top four if you have a decent defence. And Leicester, who have one or two good defenders, don't have a good defence, especially Crook from set pieces. Yeah, I did hear uh, a whisper a week or two ago that they're actually looking to hire a set-piece coach, uh, which they've probably needed for about three years. Everyone's done um, that already, though, haven't they? So all the best ones have gone. Well, exactly. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. They the are curve. close to their first signing of the summer, though. Have you got a drum roll? Alex Smithies. That's probably more appropriate, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. Go on. Free agent goalkeeper, uh, last spotted training at Bournemouth, trying to get a contract there. Didn't happen. Looks like he's going to come in as backup to Danny Ward. So not quite the headline-grabbing signing that Leicester fans wanted, but at least it does mean they won't go through an entire summer window without an addition. Um, Will they keep Fafana? Will they keep Fafana? Not if Chelsea bid. Um, £85 million, as has been suggested to me. You can't turn down, down that kind of money for a player who is pushing for a move. They have to sell. Uh, you think Arsenal are going to win. Arsenal looking at new midfield options as well. They kept a clean sheet against Crystal Palace, but let's be clear, Scott, they only kept a clean sheet because of wayward finishing in that game. Yeah. And Leicester do have the power to breach them. Um, they've scored in a lot of games over the... Uh, they, they very rarely draw a blank, um, Leicester. I'm expecting a draw, actually. I still probably fancy Arsenal, um, but we still, I mean, Palace, to be fair, they, as I said earlier, they, they had two clear-cut chances and should have scored yeah. and, and it would have, would have changed the game. But I do think Arsenal can take a lot of confidence from keeping that clean sheet. Look, I, I, I was slightly disappointed with Arsenal after the first 20 minutes because you, look, you can't dominate a team in the Premier League for the full 90 minutes. But what you can do, even if you're not creating chances, is control the game. And yes, they kept a clean sheet, but they didn't control the game. So against the Leicester side, where they will ask a little bit more question, a few more questions going forward than I think Palace did, um, I can see Leicester scoring. But I just think Arsenal at the moment, start of the season, I, I, I fancy them to, to to win this one. I really do. I, I think it would be 2-1. I think Gabriel Jesus has started really well. I think he's that perfect Arsenal player as a number nine that can also come out and, and, and play as a false nine if need be. And Leicester, I mean, a set-piece coach, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, maybe I'm a bit old school, but, you know, you need a set-piece specialist, specialist. You know, I think we've all been in the game long enough to know exactly how you can work out set-pieces, but, but clearly Leicester haven't, and um, and they still keep on conceding goals that way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see another Arsenal goal, uh, a Leicester one conceded with a set-piece, and, and Arsenal winning 2-1 here. Part of the Sunday session this Sunday, Nottingham Forest against West Ham kicks off at two. Apart from the expensive beer at the London Stadium, substitutes were a big talking point over last weekend. Well, the lack of them. After moaning about the need for five subs, only two of the ten games used the full complement of ten subs last weekend. Who were they? Do you know what two games? United. Nope. I'm going to say Tottenham. Tottenham Saints, yes. And one other game. Used all 10 subs. Who was it? Hey, was it Bournemouth Villa? Hey, Bournemouth Villa. No, it wasn't. You were at that game. Uh, both Bournemouth Villa. It, it definitely wasn't Bournemouth Villa. It was West Ham Man City. And one sub who looked uh, very lively indeed was Gianluca Scamacca. Uh, will he start against Forest as West Ham look for their first goal of the season? 
I, I don't think he will, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel Antonio starts again. And, and you know, my, David Moyes hasn't played with two up front and Skamaker's still, I think, is not quite 100% fit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio does start. But but look, you know, West Ham have made a, a lot of signings and yet that team looked very similar to the team of last season. So if you're, if you're going to improve even more, then certain new signings need to be put in there. Um, I, I, just, I don't know how West Ham are going to do this year. I really don't. I'd love to see them up there and how they've been in the previous two seasons. But I think uh, you can't judge them against City. I mean, they did, City didn't get out of second gear. And, you know, trying to look, watch Declan Rice, you know, not dominate games was, was, was interesting. It, it doesn't normally happen. But uh, listen, I, I obviously got my West Ham hat on. I still fancy them to finish top eight. In this particular game, they—it's going to be a tough one for them. I think there's no doubt about that. Twenty-three years since the last Premier League home game for Nottingham Forest, the atmosphere will be good. Um, they've got no Issa Diop West Ham because he's left for Fulham. Tilo Kerra has been linked. Uh, any truth in that report, Crook? They must be on the lookout for another defender. Uh, there is truth in terms of interest. I think at the moment West Ham have offered. Uh, a lot less um, than PSG are looking for. They clearly need to strengthen in that area. They've lost Naith Aguerd uh, to injury and as you say, moved on Issa Diop. I think it's going to be quite a frenetic uh, final three weeks of the window uh, as far as West Ham concerned. And for Forest, uh, 12 signings in already and they're on the cusp of the two more. Emmanuel Dennis, a £20 million bid has gone in uh, for the Watford striker. You would imagine uh, that that probably uh, will happen. I think Watford were always resigned to losing him. Uh, they're, they're in talks over a £9 million move for the Atalanta midfielder, uh, Remo Thruller. Um So, Forrest, they, they mean business, don't they? Yeah, Remo Thruller is a very good player, Remo Thruller. He's a good player at the heart of the midfield. He played for Swiss national team. Um, I did the Watford-West Brom game on Monday night, Scott. <laughs> Poor old Emmanuel Dennis didn't get a kick. Hmm. No, uh, look, I mean, just going back to Forest, I think it's a really big game for them. I, I really do. Um, didn't get a shot on target at St. James's Park. They've got, after this one, they've got Everton away, Tottenham at home, Man City away. Now, this is the first home game of the season and they've spent a lot of money or they brought in a lot of signings. Very difficult to gel. The job that Steve Cooper did, amazing, but this is the Premier League now. This is ruthless. So if they don't get anything out of this game, West Ham come away, come away with all three points. Suddenly Forrest are looking over their shoulders thinking, what are we going to do here? How do we find a point in the Premier League? You know, the next two games for me are absolutely crucial. Bournemouth already have points on the board, but they now go to Manchester City and no one expects City to struggle with goals. The most popular fantasy transfer this week, Haaland in. And no shock with a visit of Bournemouth, who they've played 15 times and won 13. They've scored during those 15 times about 978 goals. Um, Scott, you saw Bournemouth last week. How do they trouble Manchester City? Uh, set pieces. Set pieces. Uh, Kiefer Moore. Um, I think that's almost the only way they can do it. I mean, he, he can try and play on, on the left side of that central defence. Nathan Ake, who's a good player, but he's not you know, six foot five, like uh, a crookie and, and commanding. Well, that's not like crookie. Um, but I, I don't see how they can, you know, I've said before and I'll say again, unless they're six games in and they've, you know, nicked a point at City and they've won a few more games. I think the job that Scotty Parker has in his hands is just, is, is mission impossible. You know, yeah. Tom Cruise would struggle to, to, to keep them up, to be honest with you. So, and this could be a, this could be a cricket score if they score early, it could be a cricket score. But how did how did they do it? Yeah, I mean, you know, by by uh, defending deep, by being compact, by trying to get it to half time, and then nicking one down the other end set piece wise. Um, who's a bigger centre half, by the way, Lissandro Martinez or Tom Cruise? That's a, probably a good question, <laughs> isn't it? Um, first real season in the Premier League, proper season in the Premier League for Kiefer Moore. Uh, he was a handful last week. Uh, is it possible that the throwback forward, who used to be a lifeguard, can thrive after being thrown in at the deep end? What do you reckon, Crook? No, I think it's going to be Bournemouth who have that sinking feeling uh, this weekend. <laughs> I think they, you, you, they, you two are as bad as each other. You really are. <laughs> Having seen them play 
last weekend. They have uh, recruited defensively this week as well. Quite an exciting signing, actually. Marcus uh, Senesai from Feyenoord, Argentinian uh, international. So that will, will please Scott Parker. And I think they're still trying to add bodies. But away from home, I think they could be in for some difficult afternoons. And I agree with Scott. I could see a 5-6-0 job. Uh, Wolves against Fulham, um, 3 o'clock Saturday. Wolves lost last weekend. Now they face Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, but will Gonzalo Guedes be available? Interesting that he's a midfielder on the Fantasy Premier League. I thought he might be a forward. We will see how he performs. Um, Wolves-Fulham, how do you see this one, Scott? It's a really difficult one to call because I know Wolves lost and, and everyone's questioning the Connor Cody um, leaving, but, but they had chances to win. Uh, at Ellen Road and look that what was it 38 goals they scored last season in the league not good enough um, but the chances they create they're, they're a better side than that and I think the way that Bruno Lage is trying to change from a three at the back to a four he's trying to make them a little bit more um, attacking I don't see them struggling in the way that I've heard some people saying that it could even drop into the relegation zone I think they'll be sort of top half of the bottom half um, but I, 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 and Fulham, well, they've just got to carry on what 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 they did. It's almost like having three points with that result against Liverpool. Mitrovic, he's got to carry on as well. I'm sorry, question mark, still very much against him as of whether he can do it in the Premier League. A fantastic one-off performance against Liverpool, but we know that historically over the last few years when he's played in the Premier League, he's not been a Premier League player. So I do like Marco Silva. I think he's a very good tactician. I think he was uh, criticised and almost made fun of unfairly uh, when he was at Everton, although it, it didn't work there. Uh, I, I I can see Wolves winning this one. I really can. I still think Fulham will sort of struggle and be there thereabouts coming into the season. So I fancy Wolves. OK, Southampton against Leeds, 3pm Saturday. Good news for Southampton fans. Leeds don't keep clean sheets. Bad news for Southampton fans. Southampton don't score goals. Uh, Leeds have won three of the last five meetings as well. And overall, their form is about as impressive as Manchester United's recruitment. One win in 14 for Southampton. Ouch. Crook. How do you um how do, how do you sort of um, promote the fact that Ralph Harsen, who was brilliant at his job with those statistics? <laughs> well, first and foremost, this is a big game um, for Southampton. Obviously, started the season well for about fifteen minutes with that James Will Prowse goal against Tottenham, then got absolutely played off the park uh, at home to Leeds. It is the type of fixture that can kickstart your season, but equally, if you were to lose again and lose heavily, uh, then I think those uh, moans and groans that become quite loud actually amongst the Southampton faithful uh, would get louder. Um, obviously, we've mentioned they filled their team with a lot of young players. They're going to make mistakes. Um, and I think it's an issue. I, th- I think that lack of experience is an issue for Southampton, one that I think they do need to resolve. Lack of a forward the, is an the issue, isn't window. it? Shea Adams clearly leaving or he's out of favour. I get it. But Adam Armstrong's not enough. I saw they were linked with Fashion Sakala this week, but they need help in that department. Yeah, and, and they're close, I believe, um, to signing um, a Premier League-based forward. I don't know who it is yet. I'm frantically trying to find out, but I think he will be coming in. The Shea Adams one is, is interesting because obviously there's been talk of uh, a loan-to-buy move to Everton. That's been dismissed out of hand by my sources um, at St Mary's, but I get the impression if a big money bid came in, £20 million, then they may well be willing to do business. I think ultimately they're going to rely heavily on James Ward-Prowse this season. That's why they were so desperate to keep him. He is the the, the one senior head in, in a team, as I mentioned, that is is packed with young players. But I do think Ralph Hasenhut needs a result. One win in 15 would be a fairly damning statistic. Yes, of course, new signings were the talking point last week. But on average, we only saw 1.3 new signings, a team So the clamour for new blood, clearly not as important to managers as supporters. Either that or business has been happening late. Sure to be a flurry of activity in the next three weeks, but stranger things have happened in the transfer market before. But is it true, the rumours that I'm hearing, that after finally getting rid of Andreas Christensen, now it looks like he's going to be back at the bridge? (laughs) <laughs> Listen, this this again, uh, maybe you're best to ask Graham Hunter because according to him a couple of weeks ago, there was no issue at Barcelona, nothing to see here. Um, he has deleted uh, all reference of him being a uh, Barcelona player from his social media profiles. I think he's reverted to a picture of him in a Chelsea shirt. And it's because 
because of their financial regulations, they can't register him as a Barcelona player. It's absolute. Yeah, well, we don't know what happened to her crookie there. He obviously was lost for words, Scott. But I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, the boomerang, Andreas Christensen. You welcome that? I, I didn't think he was a big loss when I heard he was going. Um, oh, it's okay. No, no, but if, if Chelsea can't find another centre half and they've, they've gone after a few, then uh, I, I'd, I'd welcome him back. Uh, you, you, you're, you're, definitely for twenty grand less than what everybody was on before. Like, absolutely, you're having a pay cut for this. Well, exactly. You it's thought it was better term. going over there. No, no, you can come back for half price. He, he, w- he would have to win the Chelsea crowd over as well, you know. It, Which it, I think would be difficult to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll tell you what, though, Sam. I remember one time, well, more than one time when I was at Benfica and they had um, financial problems and there was a ruling that if you weren't Because your wages. To- <laughs> 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 I'd love to be a pound behind you now, Sam. Yeah, I know right. that. But... It, it, there was a FIFA ruling that if you weren't paid for 60 days, you became a free transfer. Mm. And they used to leave it to like the 58th, 59th day. <laughs> but no one no one would really want to go anyway because you're playing at the biggest club in the country, um, unless there was a bigger club around Europe coming in. So I think Christensen will look at it and say, whatever happens this weekend, if he's still not registered, he's going to wait to see if he can be a Barcelona player. Because look, uh, uh, from a Chelsea point of view, we, we need numbers at the back. I don't necessarily think he'd be the, the, the top signing you're looking for. And you look like you've just, there's a little smell around there, Sam, with the face that you're doing. But I think it'd be a lot to win over the Chelsea fans. And it, it's certainly not, I think, what anybody would really want, ideally. But look, Chelsea need numbers at the back, so I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, right, that's it from us. We're back Monday morning when you wake up as we review nine games from the Premier League that would have taken place over the uh, weekend. Uh, thanks, Crook. Oh, he's already gone. He, he left. <laughs> he left. He, obviously, he, he had something else to do. All oh, right, right. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for your contribution. We loved it. Sam, I'll stay right to the very end with you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. We appreciate that. Uh, from TalkSport, this is the Game Day podcast. We'd love you to download it and tell all your friends about it. We'll be back Monday morning. And make sure you listen to Game Day this weekend and Game Night on Monday. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.